The Spanish announce table. This is the 297th rendition of the Spanish announce table. I am Tim, and that's Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tim. We are a pro wrestling podcast. We talk about pro wrestling. Uh, but before we get into that, man, Tom, uh, another week has gone by. It is 2020. It's all that really need be said to kind of set the tone. So how, how are you? You know, everything's kind of off. Uh, as most people know, we record this on a Thursday night. Uh, because Including my pants right now. Hey, there you go. Hey, yo. No, I'm just kidding. I have pants on, kind of. I doubt it. Um, anyhow, uh, so... Usually we recap uh, Wednesday night Dynamite, AEW Dynamite, but because of just the wackiness of the NBA schedule, uh, playing in a bubble, but then... NBA? Yeah, exactly. And then other sports uh, superseding uh, contracts of regular um, programming like Dynamite, like NXT. Uh, We are currently recording this on a Thursday night in which AEW Dynamite is airing right now so uh for this episode we will not be recapping uh this tonight's episode uh because august 27th right as it's currently happening because that would be weird Uh, yeah because aw got postponed because of bubble ball but bubble ball didn't happen yeah and that's fine i mean you know it's fine we don't have to necessarily get into that because that's a little bit no i just think that's that's fun right they get moved for something that didn't even happen well, you know, it's the NBA, and that contract's a little bit bigger than what AEW's probably it's providing. It's so. the NBA, and it's America. So. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we won't be record, or excuse me, we won't be recapping uh, the August 27th episode of uh, However, Dynamite. the 22nd episode. 20- yes, we will be talking Saturday about Saturday nights. Yeah, because it happened on uh, Saturday night. Uh, also next week, the scheduling might be a little off because, uh, NXT will be on a Tuesday night, super Tuesday. Uh, we can talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but as far as for me, yeah, it's just, you know, much like the wrestling schedule. It's kind of just anywhere and everywhere for me right now. Um, as I mentioned on last week's episode, finished the basement. So that was good. Got the sump pump in there. Uh, my luck. Uh, since the sump pump's been in, it has not rained, not even a drop. So that's yep. typical. Oh, here we go. Here, see, remember when you were saying you were getting old? It's going to sink in more when when it rains. You're going to be like, oh, we needed that. I hope so, right? Well, like yeah. even even <laughs> on top of you know just wanting my money's worth out of a sump pump, like it needs to rain. It's been very dry here in the Midwest. Uh, we have had a drought for uh, a few weeks. Um, but so yeah, uh, that's been going on, finishing that up, uh, the rest of this street in my neighborhood, everyone's doing something. We have, uh, the neighbor across the street getting their floors redone. The neighbor, uh, to our right is putting a sprinkler system and doing landscaping. The neighbor on our other side is putting in a garden. So it's just construction everywhere around us. Um, and then, uh, my appearance is going to be changing here soon, Tim. I went to the dentist, uh, specifically an orthodontist, and I got fit for Bisaline. So here in about two and a half weeks, maybe three, uh, gonna get fitted for some Bisaline, fix my my bite because I got some jaw issues because I get punched in the mouth a lot, uh, and so they said Bisaline might help with that. You average about one and a half a day, right? What's that? Getting punched in the mouth. If well, so COVID has obviously uh, messed up those numbers. But when I was 
consistently training, if you were to take the number of punches I would take on a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and, uh, you know, put that out throughout a week. Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe two times a day, two times a day Mm. getting punched. Because there's, in a five-minute period, because I have such bad head movement, I would get punched in five minutes, maybe 25 to 40 times. This, uh, this, this really explains a lot. What's that? <laughs> uh, the frequency with which you're getting punched in the head. It just explains so much now. Like, I can retroactively, I can just think back, and now I'm like, oh, it all makes sense now. Well, yeah, duh. You knew that. How long have we been doing these? <laughs> yeah. I am not a sane person. Uh, That's why we get along. That's why we get exactly. along. Exactly. Yeah, you're no, yeah. You're no uh, beacon uh, of normal yeah, uh, I'm, uh, behavior either there, pal. Yeah, I'm a little out there. Yeah. I'm a little out there. Yeah. yeah. We're out there on the fringes having fun, <laughs> surfing on those little you know weird thoughts and things like that. By the way, got some weird thoughts uh, that I've been thinking about. Might as well just bring it up to the podcast. Tweet the table your answers. And Tim, I want your answers now. Uh, two thoughts that I've been having. Here you go. You ready? Okay. Why do we call it a W when it's clearly double V? It is a double V. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah. Huh? And with recent news, if you pay attention to uh, the Mr. Far, is his name Farwell or Farrell? Whatever. Falwell. Falwell. Mr. Falwell, if you paid attention Jerry to him. Yeah. If you, right? If, that guy. Yeah. If you paid attention to his story, a uh, question that came to my mind is at what age does someone go from a pool boy to a pool man? Yeah. Why is it pool boy no matter the, right, the experience level? And what if it's a, the, what if it's a lady? What do we call that? A pool, a pool girl? Well, on this day of, of, there's what, 20 plus genders, right? So pool person, Tom. Well, when do they become adult? Because it's, it, Aqu- it's a term of child, you know, boy, girl. Aquatic attraction maintenance technician. Okay. Well, you know what I'm getting at. At what age are we are we classifying <laughs> them as an yeah. adult? Uh, well, at what point, yeah, is he just, you know, well. Interesting, what a right? Fun, what a fun, you know, like it's usually the people that are that, you know, vocal and uh, that are projecting, right? Indeed it is. It's basically, uh, it, it basically it's the uh, guy driving the newest Corvette with a two-inch personality. You know what I mean? Right. But enough about God, me. Whole two I'm, inches, huh? Yeah, you know, stacking it up. That's good. Uh, That'd be nice. Enough Man. about me and my new grill. So I'm going to be looking like Roman Reigns here in a year. I tell you what, uh, by the way, SummerSlam we'll get into a little bit, but Roman Reigns makes his... Uh, re-debut, I guess you could call it. Uh, his teeth looking so fresh and so clean and straight and white, huh? Uh-huh. Well, he's looking like swole Uso. Well, that makes sense, right? Because you're not bo- beating up your body uh, and you're you know an athlete who likes to train. So, yeah, it would make sense that like even when Seth Rollins came back from his uh, knee injury, you know, he was packing on the weight and had a six-pack the never before. Obviously, then he gets in the ring for a few months and then kind of dwindles down. Uh, so I wasn't surprised about that, but I was surprised about those pearly whites from Roman Reigns. Man, they look mm-hmm. nice. That's why. That's why I did the Invisalign. I was like, might as well take uh, a page from old Roman Reigns. Well, you know when when he's worried about wrestling because of COVID, he's got to stay away from the ring. But then he goes and has surgery where people put fingers in his mouth. 
Yeah, but they're a doctor. Come on now. Easy. <laughs> no, and you know, um, uh, you know, they're they're actually pretty clear on the transmission is you know like overwhelmingly likely you know more you know like I, I you know I'm throwing out a statistic, but nine times out of ten you're getting it from breathing in the breath of somebody close by. Yeah, that has it. Well, and, um, and he was so you know, and I mean, he's probably also doing that just in case if wrestling was never going to be another option. Maybe he does acting in the movies. Or, yeah, things like yep. that. So. Uh, anyhow, he's got to be the mini rock. Hey, he was in a movie with the rock already. So maybe we see another one. Uh, right, he's going to be like one of the Wayans brothers of to the rock. Hey, they make a lot of money. So, you know, they do, man. I'm they make the tens thing. of millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah man. They're, uh, but what have you been up to? They're almost as good as we are. Mm. Um, I have been up to a lot of gardening and we've been kind of, we've been tearing out some stuff that had already, you know, kind of harvested and was in the way and then replanting new things and stuff like that and kind of trimming up and getting it all squared away. Spent a lot of time out there, Tom, uh, gardening and hacking away, man, um, planting some new stuff down, just being Farmer Tim over here. I like Putting it. My, hey, you know, how yeah. did how did you celebrate National Dog Day, which was yesterday? Uh, you know, um, I we didn't do anything for them dogs. And, and I saw all that going on. I was like, ah, I should do that. But I had just made... You saw the TikTok, mm-hmm. the Rainer Ranch TikTok. Yeah, at Rainer Ranch on the TikTok. Y'all can follow Tom Will Not. Um, I, well, I see it on Tom. Instagram. You posted it on Instagram, so I saw it there. I did post it on the Instagram as well. There's at Rainer underscore ranch underscore rescues out there. You can see the putties, uh, which is what my wife refers to them as, right? The putties mm-hmm. um, uh, over there. And then at Rainer Ranch on TikTok, I just put like a thing out there uh, the day before, and I didn't even realize National Dog Day was coming. I would have waited a day, you know? Bad marketing, bad marketing. Yeah, Tim. bad marketing. See, I need to talk to the head of um, the head of uh, social media. Um, yeah, yeah, that guy's a douche. I hear, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, yeah, a little bit of of a left field conspiracist. Uh, I heard. But anybody listening, you should hire me uh, for your position because I will do a much better job <laughs> for you. Hey, speaking of marketing and gimmicks, uh, since we're not going to be talking about AEW and recapping that episode. Uh, some content that was given to us today, uh, PWI, uh, released their PWI 500 for 2020. Uh, let's get into a little bit of that. Won't you, won't you give me a guess for 2020 in all of pro wrestling, who did PWI put as their number one pro wrestler? Now, uh, a caveat here is they don't go January to December. I believe they do March to March because I think they end on like around WrestleMania. So don't quote me on that. And again, we don't fact check, but I, I know it's not a January to December um, account for uh, someone's career. But with all that being said, who do you think PWI put as their number one pro wrestler for 2020? God, so it's all of la- like leading up to right before COVID hit basically. Essentially. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the calendar for them. God, that kind of splits the AEW, right? They were out there for about half the time then. Oh no! Uh, well, they did all out. Yeah, they 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 or so yeah. So the show's been on since October, but they had right. their thing before that. Yeah, because Jericho Jericho's got to be up there. I was gonna say right. Okay, I was thinking he's got to be up there, probably in the top ten, if not reaching up there near in the top five. Um, Cody comes to mind, and then WWE side. <sighs> I don't even really remember now. Everything's a blur because everything sucked then so bad. (laughs) 
What, what do we got? Let's, let's not keep stalling. What do we got? All right, well, give me a guess, and I'll tell you if they're in the top 25, and if they are in the top 25, I'll give you their number. How about that? Okay, so Cody. Cody is number seven. Do you want one more number guess, seven. or do you want to know number one? Yeah, who's number one? Number one is an AEW wrestler, formerly a WWE wrestler. Mm. It is the AEW heavyweight champion, John Moxley. Uh, you know, I mean, he had a damn good year. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you think about it, again, if if memory serves us correct, and we don't fact check, so, you know, DX suck it if you don't like that. Uh, but if you think about his career from that time period I described, you've got the end of his WWE run where he's getting all the accolades of the Shield's final stand, and yay, isn't this the greatest? Shield, Shield, Shield. And then the hype video of is he staying with WWE? Is he leaving? And then the big debut in AEW, and then he takes that all the way to the championship. That's a pretty damn good year. Yeah, that is a damn good year. I you, I agree. All right, so John Moxley, number one, number two, the longest reigning NXT heavyweight champion, Adam Cole, baby. Baby, um, yeah, hard to argue. I mean, that guy is a he's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a great year, mm-hmm. um, as you we just discussed. Uh, you just said longest reigning uh, uh, NXT champ of all the times. Uh, Adam Cole is killing it, and you know, I we we talk about NXT being a third brand, but it is still. A minor leagues, at least the way they utilize the flow, and so Adam Cole's been there a long time, and you wonder like when's he when's he moving? But I kind of I think he fits better there. Yeah, I do too. I think he has a good, very similar to Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, where it's like, you know, they could move up, and I would definitely love, you know, uh, assuming things can get back to what used to be a, a normal for as uh, as far as capacity sizes for crowds, things like that. I would love to see uh, Ciampa, Gargano, and Cole get a WrestleMania moment, right? Because I feel like they deserve it for their career. But I don't necessarily want them to be on Raw each and every week or SmackDown or yeah, whatever it is. There's no reason they can't be NXT, we say lifers, right? But And then other people move in and out, right? And that gives the brand some long-term mm-hmm. marketability, right? Branding. Yeah. Um, and they just fit better. You know what I mean? It Let's... There are some people that just don't come across in the, like you called it, glossy circus that is the main roster yeah, of just, WWE. Yeah, I just, I, I think those three in particular should stay in NXT for as long as possible. Uh, but yeah, going back to the list, Adam Cole, number two. Number three, you did mention him already. Uh, I believe the backbone of AEW, even though he's not an the executive, demo god. the demo god, Chris Jericho. Uh, currently, we started watching uh, AEW's uh, uh, Dynamite's episode tonight, just a little bit of it. Uh, Jericho's on commentary. He's been doing that amazing. Obviously, uh, leader of the Inner Circle, former AEW champion, first ever AEW heavyweight champion. Uh, his feud with Orange Cassidy uh, just kills it on any and everything that he does, it seems like. But uh, his uh, his uh, publicist or writer, or manager, whomever we contacted, would not let him uh, do an interview for the Spanish announce table a few year, years ago. So there is that. There is that flaw in his. Hey, career. you know, everyone's got an Achilles heel. You know what I'm saying? And his is just bad booking decisions for interviews. And you know, if he still interv- uh, entertains me on TV, I'll give him a pass for now. Yeah, we could deal with it. I mean, like, I can, I can look past it if I'm. 
if I really focus. Yes, I agree. All right, let's move into number four. The person who I thought had the most improved 2020, uh, think of him very much like Cody was in 2019, uh, but coming in at number four, Drew McIntyre. Ooh. Ooh, number four on Big Drew, huh? Yeah, Drew, I just still feel like, like you said, he's the cat guy. I just don't know that this is going to hold, at least not with how he's approaching it now, right? Now he's improved this much so far, and there's no reason he can't keep improving. And sometimes people take a long time, right, to to finally hit and just be doing something right, right? And Drew McIntyre uh, is definitely putting his all into this, and uh, it's rewarding for him in number four. Huh? Yeah, cool. and I, I think – the thing that I would say about Drew McIntyre, as far as his as far as his progress for 2020, is uh, very similar to kind of how you feel. Where nothing he's done as far as storylines or anything like that has really bought me into Drew McIntyre as one of my favorites. But him in this main event role, whether it's his physique or the way he carries himself, but it's believable. Like I believe that he would be at the top of the card in the main event picture. Now, like I said, no story necessarily has really caught fire with me. And I'm like, this is my guy. It's because of, you know, Rusev day back in a few years ago or anything like that. But it's like, yeah, Drew McIntyre would be champ. Look at him. Of course he would, you know? So I will say his believability as a main eventer uh, has definitely improved uh, throughout this last 2020. So now let's get into number five, Uh, number five, I'm going to be honest, I don't know too much because I don't pay attention that carefully to New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, but number five is Naito. Yeah, I don't know anything about the New Japan scene at all or Japanese wrestling scene or really much outside of what is on television regularly throughout the United States because, again, that's a lot, and to consume more than that, you know, and that's honestly what, you know, yeah, and I, I I'm a little bit there. I, I I think I may put a little bit more effort into it because I have a little bit more free time than you. You know, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am familiar with the in-ring style. Intercontinental Champion over there at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, does the whole eye gimmick. Uh, very unique. He he has a he has a vibe. It's not similar, but it, it's in that same space as when. Uh, Nakamura was over in New Japan. It, it's just like that guy's different, you know. Like in a in a world of kind of similar personalities, Naito and back in the day when uh, Nakamura was over in New Japan, it's like those two are different. Like that's something completely different from what I see than anyone else. So it makes sense why he'd be so high. He is someone that has a lot of buzz about him in the United States. So uh, good to see that they're diversifying their. Uh, rankings and not just doing all WWE guys. So it's good to see that. Uh, obviously, they know more about Japanese pro wrestling than I do. So I'm going to lean on their opinion more than mine. Uh, number six is Okada, another New mm-hmm. Japan guy. Now, I will say his in-ring work is amazing. Best drop kick in the business. Uh, he is so fluid. I love his Rainmaker clothesline. I like his Rainmaker pose. I like the money. Uh the whole thing, I, again, I haven't paid too much attention or nothing comes top of mind lately because they haven't been doing shows. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, but, yeah, I have always been a big fan of Okada back at Wrestle Kingdom 9 when the first time I watched him. 
Yeah, I, I've seen him a time or two watching a couple of the Wrestle Kingdoms, you know. But again, uh, as we've discussed, I, I don't know much, so I would probably be, you know, leaning on there, <laughs> just opinion. pulling it out of my ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number seven, uh, I, as I mentioned, I think Chris Jericho is the backbone for AEW as far as content and entertainment. But that big match feel, I don't think it gets any. Uh, better coming from Cody, who is in number seven uh, on the PWI 500 for 2020. Cody, uh, number seven. What do you think about that placement for him? Um, I like Cody, and I like what he did uh, as far as left WWE, said, I'm going to do this, man. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do what everybody says You know, we should do. And he did it, and it's paid off. He's become one of the most recognizable names in the like business now is aw getting the mainstream media attention that i think they want to they want to get i don't know so i don't know if the average person who like just say maybe watches conan or whatever watches you know the turner network Mm -hmm. family of shows might know who cody is right well one thing that helps him is he is becoming more marketable you know uh when aw does do their press right for the outside outlets you know uh rich eisen show the dan lebitard show on espn uh when they do the tnt nba segments it's usually cody who is representing aw uh lately uh i don't know if you've seen this on twitter but Shaq called out uh cody for a, a, a pro wrestling match so uh he is you know i don't think he's to the point where chris jericho is where you know jericho is a more recognizable name to casual fans but cody is emerging as that guy where like Shaq is calling him out or if Conan needs an AW person for the next pay-per-view, it's going to be Cody, you know? Uh, so he does that role really well. And like I said, the big match feel, he just does that really well. You know, the first TNT championship match he had, uh, against JK or excuse me, against, um, the murder Hawk Lance Archer felt big time, had Mike Tyson there. You know, he, he looked the part when he won the match, uh, his big time matches with MJF, obviously Chris Jericho. He just does that. Like, Hey guys, this is the main event. And if it's the main event, that usually means Cody's in it. And so he, he just does that really well. I think better than any pro wrestler in the last calendar year. Yeah, he's, he's damn good. I think there's more to come. I just still feel like it, to me, he feels much like, remember we, watched AJ Styles transition from not knowing how to do anything on the mic mm-hmm. into AJ being Styles. one of the best to do what he does right. uh, today. I think we're kind of that mid-transition with Cody, right? Some of it still feels very rehearsed, mm-hmm. very practiced, mm-hmm. very like, look at me, I'm confident. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, right? And I think he's he's turning he can be like you said the most marketable guy in the industry if he gets to a certain point i mean he looks like the all-american boy mm-hmm. um you know and just uh, it's just it comes from wrestling lineage the you know the american dreams son yeah it could be huge and he could he's still so much growth to happen and what is he only 20 something still maybe isn't he in the 30s maybe tops yeah, yeah I, I think he's around our age maybe a little younger um but yeah uh, I, I think I think he checks all the boxes for what you want in a pro wrestler. And like I said, the thing that puts him over for me is every time he leads into the uh, match at a pay-per-view, it feels important. So I do like that about it. All right, number eight, 
uh, a guy who recently has just been back on fire. You know, early on, right after the Shield, I thought he was uh, the the best guy. He kind of had a lull period where he was going like kind of healed and babyface, and now he's back to heal. He is the Monday Night Messiah. I am talking about Seth Rollins in your eighth position. What do you think about that? I love Rollins. Um, I he will fall into the it, it, when you're you can be watching, you can be entertained, and then suddenly you can kind of be like, "Hey, man, we've been doing this for a while," and he just sounds the same. Yeah, um, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, you know, he, he did that amazing work uh, as Triple H's right hand man in the corporation, or you know, whatever it was called back then. Uh, the authority. The authority. Yeah, and this his stupid ass laugh and his look and Sting beating him up and all that, and it was just on fire. And then he hurt his knee, right? And then he came back. And he was really kind of floundering, I thought, at least for me to want to watch him. He kind of, he was a heel, but that really wasn't good. So let's go babyface. And then he beats up Brock and wins that. But that wasn't really, you know, the hottest thing in pro wrestling. But I feel like right now, this Monday Night Messiah, this is awesome. His merchandise looks cool. His gimmick's cool. That annoying-ass laugh is back. This Seth Rollins, if we're starting over for 2021, is instantly in my top 10 as of right now. I think right now it is at a crossroads and can get very dull and very outplayed, or it can get cool. They really ran the Ray and Dominic thing too long, but just a little too long, right? Just a little too long. But what he does now is going to be very important. If he just kind of does something similar and just kind of 50-50 booking for a couple months, mm-hmm. we're going to get three, four months down the road and be like, "This he's still doing this? Yeah. And it's just going to you know, be time for a change at that point. Now, I'll be honest with you. I actually blame Ray in this storyline. I think he can't cut a promo to save his life. His in-ring work is outstanding and has always been outstanding, but everything else that's part of being a pro wrestler agree. Is, is subpar to me. Dominic is fine, but I'm not. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> like I just don't care about him. Well, it's just too early to care. Yeah, He's given like there's been nothing to care about, and this thing didn't really move the needle to do it for us because, come on, we know they didn't pop his eyeball out. Like, well, yeah, uh, but remember, uh, as far as Seth Rollins being a heel, that ass whooping him and Murphy put on Dominic was pretty remarkable. Like that's again, that's where the the fun stuff from Seth Rollins comes. Um, obviously Dominic had to take those shots, so it was more shine for him, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I, I just think there needs to be more. I like how they have Murphy kind of being like, man, and like, that, I like yeah. where that's going. Like, mm-hmm. here's the thing that WWE misses, right? So now they've ramped up some storyline more in that they've delved into more of the characters and kind of what they do, but they still don't plan. And part of it's, they're not a TV show. They're not a, you know, a 16-week TV show, so they can't go, here's going to be our, you know, season ender, but they're supposed to utilize their special events, the pay-per-views, in that kind of manner, right? Mm-hmm. When it was the big four, that's kind of what that kind of did, right? That was, like, your season finales, and we miss that now. There, There isn't a whole lot. Like, the reason that Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, the Occupy movement and all that – Worked is because that was that, right? It was a long-term storyline that had, like, rising action to a certain point, and then there was a payoff, you know? Like, we missed some of that, and that's where I'm worried about this Seth Rollins storyline going. Um, So I want to see what they do next. I want them to do something really weird. Maybe Murphy gets kind of creeped out. Maybe we get somebody else, you know, coming along. Maybe he gets a third ally. I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, as far as the group, that group, excuse me, that group has been really in flux, right? So it was initially AOP and Seth, and then it was AOP, Seth, and Murphy. Then I guess AOP is hurt. So then it was Murphy and Austin Theory, and then apparently Austin Theory likes talking to minors. So then Austin Theory gets sent down to NXT, uh, and then it's just Murphy and Seth. At one point, we had a referee that was in uh, cahoots with Seth, but then we never saw him again, and it was never really explained. Uh, so his like group around him is just this like living organism where it's just like I don't know, hold on and just figure it out next week. But he, Murphy's been there from day one, man. That's He's true. A ride or die. That's true, and and maybe that's what maybe that's the story they tell, right? Is uh, Rollins tries to bring in another person, and Murphy's like, not this guy, like. Hey, I was cool when you did the AOP thing, but not this man. This man sucks. And then that's where the, you know, the 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 split between Murphy and Rollins happens. I don't know, but uh, well, that's where like Dominic needs to 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 join up with him, and then he's like, "What the? What are you talking about, man? We like tried to murder this kid." Yeah, then that's like you trust this? Like, what are you? Doing? Yeah, right. Now that's where we could see because I could see honestly, uh, Seth Rollins, you know peeling back this onion of a character just being this delusional cult leader without a cult, you know, where he just thinks he is so inspirational and he is so uh, influential to everyone around him. But Mm -hmm. everyone around him is like, do you hear this crazy guy? And he's just, you know, giving sermons to uh, 15 people on the street corner, you know, like that's where I think we could go with this, where he just goes psycho. Remember when he, uh, after he lost at WrestleMania to Drew McIntyre in that first Monday uh, after yeah. WrestleMania when his hair was just everywhere crazy? Like, we could see that version of Seth Rollins, and he's good enough to do that. So, um, I, that's again, I, I have a little bit more faith in the Seth Rollins character than the rest of the group, but I do like the Monday Night Messiah cult leader thing that they got going on. It's It's a great gimmick, yeah, I agree. All right, number nine. Now, I disagree with this one. Again, I would have to confirm the timetable of when they did their ranking systems, but he has not had a great year in my book. But he's still a good wrestler. Number nine is Kofi Kingston. Yeah, again, timeline-wise, and we're going to delve a little more into Kofi, so I will save a lot of my comments Right when we talk about the talking smack. Yeah, Um, we'll get into that in a second, sure. Yeah. Um, But... You know, again, timeline, I don't know. Even even when he was the champ, there wasn't a whole lot going on, right? I agree. Like there really wasn't now, there really wasn't anything of it, of note. Now again, th- this is why I disagree with Kofi at 9. I I like Kofi and I think Kofi is fine, right? But other guys on this top 25 that I'm looking at, Kenny Omega, Nick Aldis, Bray Wyatt, Walter, MJF, uh, Will Ospreay, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar. Like I would put all of those guys above Kofi in the last year, right? Like that's why I just don't think. Yeah, just be because I don't know some of these names, I can't tell you I'd put Kofi last on this top twenty-five list. I'm looking at it now, but like, but MJF, I, would you put MJF? The names with- I do recognize, I would put over. Right. Like, maybe not Will Ospreay, just because again, to me, I, the PWI is is better at ranking these because they watch more wrestling than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? But like, ah, you know what I mean? Well, I just, know. I mean, just opinion from you, uh, who are you putting in your top 10? Are you going to put in Kofi? Or are you going to put in MJF? Uh, see again, are, 
timeline-wise, Kofi was the champ for what, nine months? I mean, now, was all that nine months in this time? Then, yeah, you've got to put him in the top ten, I feel like. But I'm not. If he's not, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like he's, I don't, I wouldn't even have him in the top 25. Like, I, I want to save my Kofi comments for when we dive into the Kofi thing off of the talk and smack thing. Yeah. So, All right. Well then I will finish um, yeah. up the list. Uh, number 10, uh, I think all around the most consistent wrestler. Uh, I think he scores the highest, maybe not the highest peaks as some of these others, like, uh, Adam Cole, but I think he has the highest marks across the board. Uh, but number 10 is the phenomenal AJ Styles. I think he's just consistently the best or one of the best storylines each and every week. Like, go back to AJ his- Styles. Yeah. AJ Styles to me, career wise, let alone this year for PWI 500, to me, he is the where he's gotten now and how good he is. He's the uh senior on a college basketball team right who was like a walk on their freshman year right mm-hmm. but now they're an all-american mm-hmm. and they're gonna get drafted in the second round right like like late second round or something. like he's that guy he's like he's turned into one of the best to do this top 10 mm-hmm. right uh when you know what i mean when he first came on it was like this guy can go right he can jump around and do everything but everything else kind of you know, needs some work. And he's put in that work over 20 years and gotten himself top 10 worthy and very deserved. Yeah. And this past year, you know, you go back to he carried the entire feud with Undertaker week after week, calling him out, uh, making yep. fun of his wife, uh, saying his wife is going to have to bury him. Obviously, yeah. Undertaker the, never said a damn thing. Right. Like, he exactly. was the reason we cared. Yeah. And obviously the Boneyard match was incredible, uh, even though it was a lot of gimmicks that relate, relied heavy on Undertaker's character, like AJ Styles still coming out in that casket, laughing, uh, doing all the little silly things, starting up the lawnmower or, or the tractor with Undertaker behind him. You know, that was all great, uh, and he deserves credit for that. And then on top of that, all the other just consistently good things he's done with the club and now on SmackDown as the Intercontinental Champion. He's just consistent, like, when his music hits, I don't go like, uh, this might suck. I go like, it's going to at least be good, right? Like it may not be the best thing in the world, but it's going to be above average every single time. And that's why I think he made the top 10. Yeah. He's so comfortable in what he does now. And it really shows like you could hand him the mic and be like, Hey, we're just doing this. Go do it. And you know what I mean? He'd go out there and, and run with it. And that's great. Uh, he's He's awesome. Yeah, so that's your top 10 for PWI 500 for the year 2020. Uh, I believe the issue came out today. Obviously, uh, go look out uh, or be on the lookout for it. And here, to break it down, the top 25 came out. We're not going to break down each of these because we're already, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But what it was, we'll rank them in order from 11 to 25 just so people know what they are, right? It's Keith Lee at 11, Brock Lesnar 12, Kenny Omega 13, Roman Reigns 14, Nick Aldis, 15. Bray Wyatt, 16. That's a good one. Ibushi at 17. Rush, which I'm not sure. Roosh. Um, He's with MW or MLW. He's really okay. good. Braun Strowman at 19. That's an interesting one. Jacob Fatu at 20. Will Ospreay at 21. MJF, 22. Alistair Black at 23 is really surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kento, I don't know how to say this name. Mayahara, is that? Yeah. I don't know, 24. And Walter at 25. Um God, the one that really sticks out to me that's weird is that Aleister Black one. What the yeah. fuck has he done? Yeah, I mean, I agree. What did he do? I don't know. I, I Tell me a match. 
Yeah, I, I can't, honestly. Tell me a match. Yeah. I mean, he did the knock thing, and that flopped. Yeah. Cesaro answered it. <laughs> right, because yeah, he had nothing else to do. Yeah, the, the one that I like the most out of the 11 to 50, or 11 to 25, just as a personal, like it warms my heart. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Maybe that's why it, it, it's so near and dear to my heart. But I just love Walter. That fat bastard Walter, yeah. with his chops and his ring general and the uh, hands behind his back and Imperium behind him and the music. I just, I fucking love Walter. And his match with JD Drake and Evolve was so fucking good. His match uh, in NXT UK, remember that match that he had with Pete Dunn? Or no, it wasn't Pete Dunn. It was uh, the other guy, not Pete Dunn. Who's the other one? The Mustache Mountain guy. Um, oh, um, it's uh, Tyler Bates. Tyler Bates. Remember how great that match was? Tyler Bates versus God, Walter? Yes. That made me call yes. you. Remember how good that was? Dude. I called you and I was like, this match is amazing. First of all, Tyler Bates has been, he did that match with Pete Dunne. Yeah. Tyler Bates, another killer. Yeah. I think he's awesome. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, Walter. And well, then, I've, I've got this written here too. I'm reading on healbynature.com. It says women have been included in this year's list with Kylie Ray landing at 78 and Tessa Blanchard at 83. Mm -hmm. Several other women in the rankings as well, uh, which you can see when you purchase the magazine. Yeah. I you mean, Tessa, give all this shit away for free. Yeah. Tessa Blanchard was the impact heavyweight champion, right? Like, of course she True should that. be in there. So, uh, credit to her and credit to all the other women who potentially made it onto the list and into, you know, the years to come. Uh, the the annals of history, time. right? But yeah, Walter to me is just awesome. Remember his feud? It, well, it was Imperium versus Undisputed Era. I thought that was really fun. Uh, they came out on top. Uh, so yeah, Walter Keith Lee to at me eleven is, awesome. is a little bit high for me too. Um, yeah, but a, you know, again, Bray Wyatt should be over Keith Lee in my opinion. I would I would agree, 16. but remember Keith Lee had that Royal Rumble buzz when you know Braun or not Braun Strowman, uh, but yeah. Roman Reigns was putting him over, and Brock Lesnar was that. We really need to know the specific time frames to really, yeah, do, you know, what I mean, to really. But break we don't that fact down, check, so fuck that. We don't. <laughs> All right, hey, we let's don't. get into uh, our next little topic uh, before we give our thoughts on SmackDown, NXT, porn, and AEW Dynamite. Uh, Talking Smack made news again. Uh, so they've uh, revitalized Talking Smack on the free version of the WWE app. Uh, and this week, as was the last time Talking Smack made news, The Miz was on. Uh, although uh, this time he was not animated, hot, and yelling at Daniel Bryan. <laughs> he was yelling a little bit, but he was more he was more reserved. Um but the topic, well, yeah, and I think he was yeah cautiously keeping his <laughs> yes, yes, as yeah. he should, right? Because I think uh, if it got into a shoot territory, they're going to say things that WWE doesn't want them to say, right? Uh, but if you're not aware of what we're talking about on Talking Smack, uh, Big E uh, essentially did a little shoot of his own uh, and talked about how WWE cut undercut Kofi Kingston as champion, and Miz was actually a little bit. Although I think he agreed that they did, you know, undercut his title reign. Uh, I think Miz kind of defended the fact that, hey, it's still on you to become the best character you can be after they well, yeah, take away I think, the title. I think Miz took, I think Biggie, without saying it, it felt like Biggie was implying that they did it because he was black. And we know and we have said that WWE has a history of not being great to the black man mm -hmm. uh, that works in their company. Mm -hmm. Um but I also don't think that that is 
that I don't think that manifests itself in the way of, well, we're not going to fucking do with Kofi because he's black. It's that they don't take Kofi seriously or other black folks because they're black, right? Like it, it's kind of that passive versus the active, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I'm not saying that's better, but what I mean is like, so I, I don't think they're like, all right, we're going to give him nine months and we're going to job him out to Brock and then we're going to send him back to tag team because fuck him. Right. I think it just became, they were like, well, Brock would be Kofi. Yeah, fuck yeah. Brock would destroy Kofi. And then when they were like, well, yeah, you know, Kofi's great at tag, tag team. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I just, and, and if I'm being honest and we've, we've covered this much, I hate trying to do this. I, I don't want to like front like i'm not racist because right but like we we we've not, we've said this like we're we're allies to the best that we can be here but if we're being honest man kofi specifically his his world title run really wasn't born out of like it's kofi's time right like it was m- ali was getting the push then that disappeared and then kofi took the reins and i think it morphed into the like, hey, God damn it! Mm-hmm. Why not Kofi? Why right. wouldn't it be Kofi? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of all that worked together. And but Kofi is not that good. Like Kofi is good. He's fine, like you said. But he's not the charismatic world title reign having. Everybody pays attention when he walks in the room. Guy, Kofi. When I think back on Kofi's career, if it ended today. And we're looking back 10 years. I will remember Kofi Kingston for Royal Rumble spots. I will barely remember a world title run. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, he just doesn't He doesn't do it. He's not the guy. Big E has more of that than Kofi has. The Miz has more of that than Kofi has. And that's what Miz got into when he was like, hey, everybody hated me. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, it's not. Because Big E was harping on, did you have to wait 11 years for your first title run? No. But also, Miz came in with the real world behind his name, right? Like, so he was already thrust into a spotlight. And yes, we've talked about that. No, they don't give the shots to black folks more. But I don't, again, think they just squandered Kofi's title run because it was black Kofi. I think it was, shit, it's Kofi? Fuck, all right, well, let's get through this because there's not going to be much to work with here. And there wasn't. Yeah, I I think the the argument from both sides of Miz and Biggie was Biggie uh, alluding to the fact that you know uh, Kofi had to wait eleven years before his first title shot, and there were times before WrestleMania in his eleven years where you could have made an argument where you might put him in that main event picture, right? When he had his feud with Randy Orton. Uh, well, sure, Jack Swagger won the title twice. I exactly. Mean, we're really going to get into that. Right. Sure. So right. so I think that's where some of the anger comes from uh, Biggie, maybe even Kofi and Xavier Woods, is like you just said, like fucking Jack Swagger got a contra- or got a, a title shot and a win? Like, fuck that. Two. I'm, what, yeah. Two-time champ. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> you know, like as much as Kofi is kind of middle of the road, he's still way bit better than Jack Swagger or Jake Hager. Uh, so like, that's where I could see they're frustrated. But I like the point that Miz made where he, he, he stated like, after they take this from you, cause they will. And he even said like, I was champion and then they took it away from me and then I got pissed. But then I realized I have to make every moment count. And the thing that 
I think for me as a fan where I side a little bit more than on Miz's side than Big E's side is even though Big E and the New Day have a complete 100% uh, legit gripe that it took Kofi 11 years, he got the title, and then he had to do that shit match with Brock Lesnar, and then it was just never revisited. It was never revisited because after you did that and you did have to go back to the tag team uh, picture, you just went back to everything you used to do in the new day. And like as great as the new day was in the first two to three years, like they're still playing the greatest hits today. Dude, it's so bad. And, and Miz specifically pointed that out. He was like, because he even said to me, he's like, and if you keep trying to do this comedy act, right? Like that you keep rolling out there in your jokes, like it's not going to get you anything. And he's right. Look, there's a reason you're not seeing the best actor and the best film come from these fucking comedy movies, right? Because they're, that's great. It's a wonderful feeling, but it's not the emotional thing that really hooks people on. Like, remember that story or that time? Like, and Kofi never provided any of that. And he tried, Mm -hmm. like they tried to give you that feeling with Kofi and he just fell, felt vanilla. Like it just wasn't there. And again, I think the movement that got behind Kofi was a real movement, but it could have filtered anybody. I don't want to say anybody else. Right. But there could have been a select handful of other folks that it could have, could have been big E Mm -hmm. right. Like had big E been in that match instead of Kofi where they were like, Oh, okay. This guy now, right. It could have been him. Uh, it just, I I don't know that uh, that's not to discredit what Kofi did. Right. Like, I mean the first black WWE champion. Right. But I, again, I don't think that was out of a, like it Kofi's the guy, right. It became like, Okay, what about Kofi? Like, we like this Kofi. And we went, well, hey, man, why wouldn't you do Kofi? Right? Like, I think it just turned into one of those as far as the race aspect of it, right? Yeah. I, I'm more focusing, and I agree with you on everything you're saying, but I, I think where uh, Miz was trying to get at and where I think he was getting frustrated is uh, Big E just kept saying, like, you didn't have to wait 11 years. And Miz kept trying to, to essentially say, like, you're right, but I also got the title taken away from me, and I had to reinvent myself to then get back to that title picture. Once There's that, yeah. yeah. Once Kofi got the title ripped away from him, he just went back to playing Freebird and being a cover band, right? Like it just went back so, to yeah. Playing I, I agree hits. with that too. That aspect is great, and Biggie's like what Biggie's deploying there is. I hate that. Like he thinks he's got a gotcha statement, right? Like he thinks because Miz can't answer, like that he's forced to answer. Yeah, that that means Biggie's ultimate final point and conceptual argument wins, right? Which, which again, like we we know debate well. Like, no, here, no, no, no. You're like you're cheating here. That's not what this is, and that's where I kind of keep harping on the racing because that's what Biggie's trying to do. There is that he's trying to make it that well, Kofi only got didn't only had to wait eleven years because of the race thing, and I'm like, nah, Kofi had to wait eleven years because Kofi is not. He's not that main event guy. He's just not. Well, I think, I think, you know, when New Day was hitting on all cylinders and they were that, you know, they started out as heels, then we forced them into baby faces because, you know, Kofi was saying like country music sucks. That's not a character. That's me saying like that coat, like when new day was as hot as they were right then you could have pushed any one of the three Kofi included as your champion. Right. And so, um, I think where 
I'm frustrated. Okay, so the, but then would the argument have been like, did you have to wait nine years? Like, right, no, <sighs> and I agree. But I, I, I think where, uh, where I'm getting maybe not frustrated because I honestly don't have too much skin in the game, as they say. But like, Kofi didn't get a second shot at Brock Lesnar or a second shot at the world title because he put on the same shirt he put on in 2013 or 2015, whatever it was. And it's just like, you know, when Miz uh, got his title taken away from him uh, after WrestleMania 27 and had to reinvent himself, then he became the Hollywood A-lister, right? He went from being like this snobby rich kid kind of thing that he was doing when he became the champion. And then he became you know, Miz and Mrs. or whatever that show's called. And then he yeah. became the, the... Well, we can argue the Miz has almost been taking that too long, right? He still has a bit of that Hollywood... Right, and it's know, like, I mean, hey, man... our tinge going too long. Right, now. but like, hey, man, you know, we're kind of over that. But what I'm getting at is like, Miz did another thing. And, you know, you had mentioned that comedy can't be, you know, your top thing. And it, maybe it can, right? But I, I think where I'm getting frustrated with why didn't Kofi ever get a, another shot is because he's been saying the same three jokes since he you know lost the title. It's like you didn't do anything different. If if New Day would have taken on a new form, right? They they do go back to the tag team title uh, picture, but they're a different type of New Day. Maybe they're darker. Maybe they're more sinister. Or maybe. Or maybe, yeah, they're they're they become Edge and Christian and they start doing poses and you know what I'm saying, just different things than what they were doing with pancakes all the time. That would it's then all maybe, unicorns, pancakes, rainbows, like, and it has been. And that's the thing, like, if you would have reinvented yourself, I think we would have been like, no, this Kofi's fucking better, maybe than the first version. Give him another shot. But it was like, no, that's the same Kofi that we saw even before he was champ. So like, well, why would I see it again? And we discussed. We were like, oh, Biggie's gonna get his thing now because the other two are hurt. But like, Biggie hasn't done anything. Well, Big E's just doing generic babyface right now, right? He's doing the, let me show you my strength while I put this guy's leg over my head, as if that's a finisher that anyone's been you know, a fan of ever. Uh, yeah, but I will say, like, at least Big E did say something, right? Like, that's one thing that necessarily Xavier Woods or definitely Kofi Kingston has never done. So I will give him hey, credit maybe there. This is, maybe this is all the work and it's moving to get Big E into that kind of... And that's what I'm saying. So, like... But again, this is something new, right? That's why I'm interested in Big E, assuming that this is the route we go and this isn't just a one-off where it's like, okay, Big E's now our shooter. Like not our, you know, like uh, in-ring shooter. I'm saying like he's going to do like shoot promos now. I'm into that. Let's see what else he says backstage. Maybe he says, you know, I wasn't welcome into the locker room. Like, oh shit, do you hear what Big well, E said Well, we've talked week? to Big E. You can go back to the archives and listen to our interview with Big E. Um, but... Uh, he's a smart dude. They're all smart. Like they all are. They are all smart. And I just think like, you know, unfortunately in today's climate and it's been not just today's climate, it's been the entire history of the world. Like you have to do something more now, right? Like you did the one thing. Awesome. You can't go back to it. You got to now come up with a new jump shot. You got to come up with mm-hmm. a new, you know, crossover. You got to do 60 something. second videos. Yeah. We, we got to see something new. And, and so that's where maybe that's what Biggie's doing right now. Maybe like you said, it's a work and got me. I'm interested. Right. So, uh, credit to them if it is a work, but I did like the argument. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, cause it was pretty fascinating and talking smack, bringing back, uh, 
some 60 second videos or two minute videos to, yeah. to make you talk well and talking smack is good and that's smackdown and smackdown revealed debuted to us tom the wwe thunderdome which you know ran the course over raw SummerSlam. um oh it's ran its course <laughs> yeah it ran its course yeah it ran its course uh, the first night of SmackDown, I um, so I showed because I had told my family like, hey, you know, when the announcement came out, I'm like, what do you think this is gonna be? And boy, then I showed it. To <laughs> my son, Swim Trunk, he was like, that's it, and I was like, yeah, that's that that's it. And he was like, they just put a bunch of fucking Zoom calls up on the damn mm-hmm. in the crowd, mm-hmm. and I went, yeah, and he goes, yeah, that's that's lame. That's bad. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So what is your takeaway, man? Yeah, I, I agree with Swim Trunk. I, I think the best part of fans in the crowd is not that I can see fans in the crowd. Although, you know, when you get to those massive shows like WrestleMania, it's awe inspiring to see 100,000 people in the Cowboy Stadium, right? But the best part of a crowd is the noise. And the noise mm-hmm. is still piped in. Well, and the unpredictability factor. Right. It's live. Yeah. There, you know, uh, during a promo that you know the Monday Night Messiah gives, he gets cut off by a fan who says, like, fart or something, and it makes him, you know, lose it. And then we all laugh, and then that becomes a moment. You know, like, that's the part of the crowd that's yeah, the best. It's the booing of Vicky Guerrero where she can't talk over it. Exactly. It's not that I see some people smiling and being goofy. Right. It's the roar of the crowd crowd when they, roman reigns becomes not back? instinctively know this though how do they miss the point so bad to spend who knows how much on video boards and and production time and tom how many millions of dollars are we talking about i don't know and then to miss the point completely well to miss the point and then to give you know the the average fan a little bit more power than they deserve by oh you know God. putting Crispin Wall on one yeah, of your live pages. streaming murder videos yeah. and fucking so like even if you go back to uh, when you know pre coronavirus uh, pandemic shutdown like the crowd was never featured right like they put you know the the lighting on the ring they didn't put the lighting on uh, you know, row 17 in the third section. And that's why like the crowd is too bright. It's too distracting. Um, and there's, and the noise is just inauthentic. It's a, it's a tribute to the troop show every time. Cause it's like, they just want to have applause there. No. And you saw that tweet where somebody had like recognized, which I don't dude, how, but like recognize the crowd noise, like the first initial one or something from, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from WWE 2K18 and like there's somebody yelling for Cena <laughs> like why would like I get that they didn't catch that but like you know Cena's not there so why would somebody be repeatedly yelling for him the whole show yeah you know tonight this uh, is just so bad it's so it feels so bad yeah and you know I think we kind of alluded that it may be that bad uh in last week's episode uh, as we mentioned we're recording this while AEW is uh doing their Thursday night show uh, I did see, again, the start of that episode, and there was a limited amount of people. It was 10% capacity, and you could automatically tell, like, the wrestlers had a different energy. There was more uh, oohs and ahs from big moves, you know, not just coming from the AEW roster on the left and the right side of the ring. Like, that's the part. But I guess what? I never saw the fucking crowd you know, they did shots of the crowd, right? But like, I never saw the crowd when they made those noises, but I was into it just like them. And so like, yeah, how they didn't think to go into an open air 
arena, just like AEW, and say like we're gonna do it this way. I just don't get like you missed. Or, the or mark. just think that what was missing was that we needed to see a bunch of people. But how they didn't think like you you yourself already know if I'm like hey hey listen man I really miss hanging out with you Tom um you know we used to go to the bar we used to have a drink or two um and it's just not like we you could be like well hey then let's fix that let's either meet up and go to the bar right we'll stay socially distanced we'll, we'll you know I mean we'll find a place that only serves you know 20% capacity or whatever or we'll just do a zoom call like I'm going to pick the other one nine times out of ten like because it's not the same thing right exactly and on top of yeah and on top like we all know that we all instinctively feel that who's used this stuff Mm -hmm. so how did they it's just old how did it get to the point of because an idea like that you've worked in a bureaucratic agency right Mm -hmm. let's say your company is a a hundred million dollar you know a billion dollar industry right and you're like all right we're gonna change everything we do and we're gonna install uh theoretically millions of dollars if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of video boards we're gonna live stream these people in which means we've got to create a whole entire network uh, of how to like feed those people in give them instructions like what does that look like right we've got to get coders for that we've got to get the server space for that. all of that all of that Tom, that, that takes teams of people, you know, all hands on deck, months. Yeah, like, I don't even know the time and expense they put in as we address to just completely miss the point and just do something that nobody wanted or asked for. The only thing I could think is for them to collect email addresses. I don't know how the, you know, uh, process goes to become one of those uh, members on the LED board. But maybe their whole thing is like, hey, the network subscriptions are kind of stagnant. We still need emails for advertisers. So let's just do this. Like that would be the only upside that I'm unaware of, of why they would do this. I just don't know if like whoever sold pitch this idea, uh, man, they can sell. Because I think they sold them on this is going to be way cooler than it is. Well, it has a cool name. Thunderdome is well, interesting. And- they kept talking about like lasers and drone cameras and like you just had a couple more lasers in your opening laser light show and occasionally you have like a drone camera just do like a long crowd thing that you used to do with like the boom cam like that's not any different like i don't what are they like i thought there was gonna be like zoom like drone cameras going up like during the match into like weird angles we never saw and like but they got you to watch they got you to watch, and that's probably the whole thing is they got you to watch for one night, you know? And so, anyhow, hey, but it was NXT porn. It was SummerSlam. It was AEW Dynamite. Uh, let's start with Saturday. Let's start with NXT porn, or better known as NXT 30 XXX. That's why I'm calling it NXT porn. <laughs> that's the joke. Uh, what did you think? NXT uh, did another takeover overall thoughts kind of before we dig in a little bit i thought it was a damn good show i thought we got back to the uh like pretty much everybody on the card went hard right and you can just watch them start to finish and be like all right this was good right like there really wasn't a hole right i mean it, this wasn't like oh my god it's the best thing i've ever seen but like everything was good the storylines fit well right the the matches were great 
everything was cool. Um, as far as like an overall, what about you? I thought this went back to a classic takeover, right? So I thought the first match was the best match and that's usually how it used to be before you know i mean occasionally the main event would be the star right you think of gargano and uh andrade you think of uh gargano and champa things like that but like usually the first match on an nxt takeover is like the motherfuckers you got to watch this and it was finn balor and timothy thatcher it was physical it was hard hitting it made finn look like something that he used to be uh so i thought that set the tone for like Hey, don't forget about Finn fucking Balor. So it was a great tone setter. Um, obviously, as you went on, uh, all the matches, like you said, made sense, had good stories. Uh, I think the biggest surprise of actually the entire weekend, but specifically of this show, Pat McAfee. I think that's the best celebrity match uh, ever. I, I can't think of a, ever. Yeah, I can't think of a Somebody better brought one. up D'Angelo Williams, but I didn't see that one. D'Angelo Williams. Was that in TNA? I would guess. I don't remember that one, to be honest. I know that like Pac-Man Jones and I think D'Angelo Williams was a part of that. You know, you but you think of other celebrities in WWE that, that's had matches, right? Lawrence Taylor main evented against yeah, this uh, is the best Bigelow. one I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Pat McAfee, of, of an outsider coming in for their first match, like a celebrity, and just putting on a match and putting on some promos. As you mentioned last week, that promo he cut before the match uh, on NXT programming was one of the best of the week, if not best of the year during this coronavirus era. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was a, a 12 out of 10. I thought he was the biggest surprise of the entire night. Now, Dude, some of those moves, like his leap up to the top. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, man, he was great. He was great. And, uh, also let's not discredit Adam Cole, right? Like it takes two to tango. Adam Cole made him look amazing too. Like when he took the punt and he just went limp, like he sold his ass off to make, Pat McAfee's moves look good. And, you know, you could tell there were certain times where Pat McAfee doesn't understand the timing because he's not a pro wrestler full time. Right. Uh, but Adam Cole got him to, okay, we're here, right? Like get to this spot. Now remember this. Okay. Like, so Adam Cole deserves a lot of credit as well for like coaching Pat McAfee. You know what I did notice match. every time we have a football player, like they all, they, they carry themselves the same way. Like you can tell professional NFL, like NFL player or former NFL player, by their gate, like when they walk to the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because they fuck people up. Even if they're a punter, like they fuck <laughs> people up. Like those are real athletes. Not to say like other sports aren't, but I'm just saying like, yeah. And they're going to walk in and go like, you know, for even if they're going to be respectful, like they still know like these people aren't. They're the really- gladiators of our times. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, Pat McAfee was the, the star of the night, I thought. Uh, um, Here's something that stuck out to me was um, what you said they wouldn't do uh, happened, right? You got the dark characters winning the titles. Although, let's talk about Damian Priest a little bit. Is he dark anymore? No, yeah, no. Or is he just like a rocker? Yeah, because now it seems like he's the backup lead singer for ACDC or something. Like, the first right. thing he does is he jumps in a hot tub with two girls and, yeah, and starts I thought he was partying. the new brood, right? But now... Yeah, now he just seems like, like an out-of-work 80s lead singer. Like He's like Slash's kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he slashes kid. I mean, that's what it seems like because it felt like 
uh, his character this entire time with the bow and arrow and the flame, uh, the flames and, you know, saying his name and all that was like, yeah, like he's a brute kind of thing. And then he wins the title. and He's like, fuck that. Let's fuck bitches and do cocaine. Do cocaine. <laughs> right? yeah. like, and even on the, the, the NXT episode after the takeover, he was still doing the like, ah, I'm partying. Like, hey, he was chugging a goddamn champagne bottle. Yeah. And so. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they would do two dark characters, but they kind of did, but then they kind of didn't, right? Because, like, Damian yeah. Priest is not, not that anymore. He, he slashes son. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Now, um, now I will say... Io Shirai and Dakota Kai put on a hell of a match. Yes, and that's what I was going to get into. Like, the main event uh, matches. I thought the women's match was way better than the men. I Keith Lee is a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak to me. I think he does one yeah. match really well. And if you're not wrestling that style of match, then it kind of gets to be a little boring. Carrion cross might be a little bit of the same, but he has more gimmick to him, like a, a little bit more of a character I can watch, but the match was slow. Now, obviously you learn later that Carrion cross separated his shoulder. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but it wasn't, Anything memorable as far as a match goes? I don't think I'm ever going to go rewatch that for any, you know, historical purposes or anything like that. It wasn't Sami Zayn and Nakamura at NXT TakeOver. Not to say, like, any match could be, but you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, the main event kind of was a, you know, wasn't wasn't all there, yeah, but I it was wasn't bad. I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to go with Cross, and then... <laughs> now seeing that Keith Lee went to the main roster and now Cross is hurt, it's kind of, they're kind of like, well, shit. But again, although yeah. I'm super excited about, and we're kind of jumping back and forth between what you know mm-hmm. just most recently happened and the NXT porn. But now I love this idea of the Fatal Four Way Iron Man match. That's something. That's an interesting twist with four guys that can win it. Right? It's not. Uh, it's not Cameron Grimes and uh, Adam Cole, right. and then you know it, it, it's all top guys. That, like any one of those guys could easily be champion. I would believe it if any one of those guys won. So that's the other cool part about that. Match. Well, none of them have been on a heater. Like this isn't a clear setup. Yeah. The only one, like, you know, if, if we want to kind of do a, a picks for super Tuesday thing, my gut tells me, and again, it goes back to how takeover was set up. My gut kind of tells me it's going to be Finn. I think they made him yeah, look so good yeah. on takeover to remind everyone like, Hey, this motherfucker's still the shit. And I think, now that they have to go to plan B, they might go with him now. Well, yeah, when it's all of a sudden, when it's, ah, shit, we were going to do this, you were going to be thinking, now what? Well, we know Finn Bal- It's an easy way to get him another title reign, right? Mm-hmm. You get out of the way without having to build a storyline necessarily around it. It's very believable. That's what he's there for, to help somebody get over, which he'll be able to do then. After, you know what I mean, a few matches, then he can hand it off to whoever they build up. And it could be something somewhat refreshing right because the last time he was nxt champ i mean that was four to five years well, ago how long is a separated shoulder recovery I, it's, I'm, I don't know uh you know no. uh not fact checking i'm gonna say three months i think you cut out i didn't catch you there oh i was gonna say uh i'm not fact checking i think it's gonna three months that's what i'd say three yeah. months so i mean you could theoretically just have finn win it a couple times then cross comes back and now we got the demon and carrying cross and oh Car- he's coming back for his title and- yeah the best thing about carrying cross's character uh having to you know relinquish the title as he did is uh scarlet puts the timer you know the the hourglass 
on the mat and then they leave so that you know hourglass can just return after whoever wins the title or whoever retains the title and then there we go back to the storyline right like that that hourglass can just be reintroduced right there and we know what the fuck it, it can is just kind of show up in the background randomly a couple times too yeah right? to make you think like oh shit well that's what he did initially with keith lee when he won both titles mm-hmm. right so right, there we're watching yeah so yeah i think he's he's set up for some success when he comes back uh but yeah, I'm excited for that match. Um, so, yeah, TakeOver was pretty good. Io Shirai did well. Again, Pat McAfee, I think, was the star. Uh, Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor, I think, was the match of the night. And then, again, the dud. But it wasn't bad, but it didn't live up well, to other now TakeOver. Now it looks like we're going to get Thatcher going after Damian Priest. Which is which... weird because mm-hmm. you would think, like, someone from the ladder match who, you know, didn't necessarily lose thick boy yeah thick boy would get it like he didn't get pinned but timothy thatcher did so i don't know why they're going i mean i love timothy thatcher but you get what i'm saying as far as logic goes yeah i agree well okay so uh what do you want to talk about SummerSlam then yeah or or no dynamite dynamite was Saturday. oh yeah let's talk about dynamite and then we'll get into the to the biggest show of the summer SummerSlam. but yeah aw dynamite was on Saturday night, uh, did a really great rating, kind of peeking behind the curtain. Uh, I think it was like 755,000 people on a slot that it's never been on before, so that was very promising for uh, the promotion to get a number like that. Uh, Really fun episode. Uh, Thought it was fantastic. Almost felt pay-per-view quality, and it ended uh, with a very shocking Cody versus Brody Lee match, which saw Brody Lee win. What did you think of Dynamite? That's the big takeaway I took. I, I'm, I'm going back through to just kind of rebrief myself. And yeah, you're right. I mean, there was good moves or, or, or good matches, some good stuff in there. But that sticks out is kind of out of nowhere, we thrust the Dark Order into the main storyline, mm-hmm. right? Like they, he squash matched Cody Rhodes, which was a solid left turn from anybody's expectations. And then they kept everyone at bay and would not allow assistance. And in fact, just started beating more people up, essentially took over the show. Uh, and kind of late, right? When you're thinking like, eh, you know what I mean? Normal show, everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, like, the, what is happening? Right. And then it just ends. Uh, I loved that. Uh, I am very intrigued to follow up because of it. Great storytelling. I, I liked everything about it because even uh, even though it felt like a left turn just out of nowhere, where Brody Lee just unleashes hell on Cody and Cody can't get a clean. Like you can you can go back though and see how each match Cody it was taking a little bit more out of him. Right, he was starting to do a little bit of heel tendencies because this pace that he was setting was just incredible, and he just you know each and every week it was a, a match with. Uh, a tag match with Matt Cardona, or it was a match against Scorpio Sky that took him to the limit, or it was a Darby Allen match. So, like, it would make sense if we're, you know, kayfabe in it here that he just would run out of steam, especially against a monster like that. So, it, it felt like SummerSlam when John Cena lost the title to Brock Lesnar, where it was just a one sided ass whooping. But, like, even though that was awesome and that's very memorable, right? Like you, I can tell you Brock Lesnar squashed John Cena and you can kind of think about that match in your head, but it didn't really have any logical, like it didn't make sense. Like why now John Cena is just going to not get any offense in. Right. But then after that, he was back to being John Cena. 
But this made sense. Cody was running on fumes. Maybe Arn Anderson put him in too many tough matches with the War Horse and Eddie Kingston uh, that you know weared him thin. And maybe we see what that consequence is in the future. Uh, but then, like you said, Brody Lee and the Dark Order flipped a switch and they went from well, we're this menacing group and we'll get you to like, we're going to fuck everyone up. Like go run and hide in your homes. Cause no one's fucking safe. Like that was cool. I really liked how they turned that like seriousness to the group, uh, to like an 11. And outside of that, another thing that sticks out to me was, um, uh, I popped big time for Ricky Starks as Darby Allen. Oh yeah. Ricky Starks. You you know what, as cool as Brian Cage is and as great as Taz is, and I do love this little faction that they have here, but man, Ricky Starks almost feels like the Scorpio Sky in this group where like, yeah, you know, an SCU, uh, Kazarian and Daniels, they're great and they're fine and they're awesome, but like the star is Scorpio Sky. And in this group, like Taz can cut a promo, Brian Cage looks like an action figure, but Ricky Starks, man, we might need to give him a TNT championship, you know, soon, or maybe even a title shot at the heavyweight level. Cause like he is awesome. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was just so fun. Like yeah. him making fun of Darby Allen. Well, Cause then Taz was like, I got a new member. And when he walks out, I can't see his face. So I was like, they're adding more fucking people. And then it was like, Oh, son of a bitch. That's really funny. Like that's really fucking an asshole thing. Cause he's like, and he does his little mopey emo promo yeah, and like, stuff. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. I like Ricky Starks a lot. I didn't know a lot about him in NWA. Uh, obviously I knew of the name and things like that, but this is my first exposure to him. And I am a huge fan. Also, I was a big fan of Eddie Kingston made his return to AEW uh, yeah. Dynamite, kind of starting a new like King of the Indies faction, well, I guess. But I don't know if you caught at the very end when they were all going in for the hug, he like did he a winked. wink at the camera, uh, like he's all just working these yeah, because he's fucking Eddie Kingston. He's the Mad King. He's awesome. I have a crush on Eddie Kingston. Uh, like as a as, as a performer, I just love the character. He's fucking cool. I want to be his best friend. I would carry his like you know how Floyd Mayweather has a guy that just carries cash. Like I would do that for Eddie Kingston if he had that much money. Like I just so anything Eddie Kingston does, I'm gonna be a fan of. But that was really cool, right? The little wink, like I got be these a sack man. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'll you know. I'll tell him. I'll carry the. I'll carry the heroin. I, I don't yeah, care. I'll read him headlines from today's news. I don't give a shit. Just like let me hang out with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's the coolest guy ever. Um, but yeah, so that's just full disclosure. I'm gonna always love Eddie Kingston. Uh, but yeah, that wink at yeah, the end where he's um, like, "I got yeah. this guy." Anything else sticking out to you about AEW? I mean, obviously, like what's going on right now. So we'll catch up on that. We'll be a little behind, but you know, hey, basketball had to bubble ball play some playoffs. So it was SummerSlam, the the biggest summer party of the year, or however they're saying it. You never see it coming. Uh, I, I think. Oh yeah. I think I didn't see it coming. Well, so I thought it was a good bait and switch, right? Because you never see it coming as what you think is the RKO, right, out of nowhere. Right. And so it kind of leads you to believe like something's gonna happen with Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. I like that it was a backslide that ended that match, you know. Uh, but then mm-hmm. you kind of. At least for me, you're like, well, that was it. Like, never saw it coming. It was a backslide. Okay, but whatever. But then the next match, Roman Reigns, good teeth and all, comes out and unleashes hell and beats up Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. What did you think of that? 
eh, I, I didn't miss him, but we'll see. I just, I, I've never bought into Roman Reigns, even as the Shield. Like he was my least favorite member of the Shield, mm-hmm. and I just never really been my guy. So even before everybody turned on him because of the Daniel Bryan thing, like I, I think maybe that kind of was going to happen at some point anyway, just because he's kind of another one where it's like, yeah, you know, big, he's good looking, but he's also not. He's not moving the needle for note. you. He's not moving the needle for you. Yeah. I, I thought it was fine. I thought what I didn't like is now I understand they, they had a knockdown drag out fight between the two of them, but you were building up, you know, the fiend as this undestructible monster. And it was almost, it felt like uh, Godzilla and King Kong with Braun Strowman being this new, like, unleashing hell monster of of Braun Strowman, right? So it felt like these two just, you know, giants of the pro wrestling industry knocking into each other. And then all of a sudden, hey, Roman Reigns comes back and fuck these guys, right? I'm going to hit them with chairs and kick them around and fuck them. Like, it made them look minimal when Braun, when when uh, Roman Reigns comes back. But the entire story going into this was how, how indestructible and how you know, demonic these two are. And then they just look like two jobbers when Roman Reigns comes in and spears them and hits them with chairs. So I didn't like that necessarily. I also definitely did not like that. We just forgot everything about Alexa bliss. We just, just fuck that. Right. Like Alexa bliss caresses the fiends, uh, face. Um, we have Braun Strowman gorilla presser. Uh, and then during the match, yeah, well, she lost her spot to Roman Reigns. Yeah, like she just stays at home, I guess. I don't know what the fuck she did, but she wasn't even, she didn't even get like a pre-match interview. Like, Alexa, you know, you've been in the in between both The Fiend and Braun Strowman. What's your thoughts on tonight's match? Nothing? Just fuck that. Like, three weeks of it, and then, hey, fuck that, because it's it's Roman Reigns time. Get your dogs out and start petting them on the ass, because the big dog's here. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? This is... This is the shit that gets boring quick. Yo, and this will uh, look Roman Reigns is going to do nothing but say, I wanted it's mine. And then they're not really gonna be able to beat him. Somebody's got to do something to cheat. And then, uh, yeah, it, it becomes, it becomes the 2020 John Cena, Cena storyline, right? Where it's like, I'm either the champ. And if you want to fight me, come fight me. And if I'm not the champ, then I want to be the champ and nothing's going to stop me. It's like, Okay, but like, that's not interesting anymore. That's not interesting after you've won the title. That should be everybody's default. Yeah, that yeah, that's everyone wants a fucking title. Everyone wants to be the best. Chad Gable should be saying that, but like, it means more when you've never got the championship, right? Like, I can get into that. Like, you want to be the champ, you've never gotten it. You're hungry. I can see that. I get behind you, guy or or girl, right? Like, you're you're my person now. Becky Lynch getting the women's uh, mm-hmm. championship, uh, from Ronda Rousey, right? She never got that title. She got the, uh, SmackDown, but she never got that title, right? Okay. I can get behind that. But like when you've won it five times or however many times Roman Reigns has won it, it's like again. Okay. Neat. Swell. Like I'm not, this is the same song and dance. We're playing the hits again. You know, it's a, like I said, with Kofi Kingston saying the same jokes in the new day, it's Roman Reigns being a cover band of Roman Reigns playing the hits. 
Yeah, we kind of covered Rollins and the Dominic thing when we talked about the PWI Top 25. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything else to say about that. They split up the the new mega powers, uh, Bailey and, and um, Sasha Banks. They don't have their uh, all the gold anymore. Asuka did get the Raw title, as you kind of predicted there. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, Raw didn't make sense to me, uh, where... Uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax were at each other's throats. And then on raw, they get at each other's throats again uh, as Bailey and Sasha run up the ramp. And then just because they made eye contact, all of a sudden they're a team and they get a title shot against Bailey and Sasha. I don't get that. Why? Like, yeah, that was way too easy, you know, to just put aside a grudge out of nowhere all of a sudden, right? Like, it's different if, like, they got beat up, then later backstage, like, you know what I mean? Nia comes up and is like, hey, look, I don't want to fight right now. Like, we can do that later. What I really want right now yeah, is, is the gold, t- right. right? Like, and these two bitches are pissing me off. You're clearly tough, right? Like, yeah. you want a title or not? You know what I mean? Like, what do you want to do? And then we should have seen at least one match of them together. And then the title shot. Now, I get it, right? They only had one week. Like, that was their uh, post-SummerSlam and go-home show for uh, payback. (laughs) But, like, then buy your time and just say the Iconics are the number one contender, right? Like, they've won plenty of matches. I don't even know if they've won their last two, but I assume they have. If you say they're number one contenders. So, like, that would have made more sense. I don't know. It just, that was silly. And then the other thing I was going to touch on with uh, this week of pro wrestling uh, raw underground man that's done isn't it yeah just like what there's nothing it's just squash there's, matches yeah, there's no singular point to it now i did like how they used it this week from the aspect of bobby lashley loses an arm wrestling competition to apollo cruz apollo cruz had to do some like heel tactics if you caught that he stepped on his foot which yeah, i thought was there's no way you're losing there's no way bobby lashley loses that arm wrestling match in a fair arm wrestling match right but but then i did like how bobby lashley was like well i'm fucking people up and i know where to do that at so like i liked how it was used for bobby lashley but as far as its own standalone you know feature i think like yeah what are we doing raw underground needs to be where the deals are made raw underground needs to be where you know what i mean like the 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 training for your big fights coming up. Like they need to do something with the storylines with it. Cause right now it's just, what does it matter? Why is it there? I, I think this would be a good feature for your unstoppable beast, right? Like go back to the days of when Braun Strowman was doing squash matches with James. Uh, what was his name? James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth. Ellsworth. Yeah. yeah. The uh, guy who also liked to talk to yeah. underage girls. Stop doing that. Men fucking weirdos. Um, but anyhow, like you can use raw underground the same way Braun Strowman was doing his squash matches where it's like this week we have, you know, Arturo Huas. he, he's been getting wins. Right. But like, he just keeps getting wins and it becomes a thing to where it's like, this is his like sanctuary. This is where he rules. And then someone from the main roster raw has to come and defeat him. Right. Like people keep talking about this Arturo Huas. Well, I don't think he's shit. I'm going to go there. And then next week we have a big match at the raw underground featuring, you know, Shelton Benjamin, if you want versus Arturo Huas or Baba Tunde or whoever it is. Uh, but right now it's just like Dolph Ziggler can do a cool double leg and then he gets thrown into the crowd. And I guess that's over because he can't get back in like, okay, whatever. Like it just, it's not making sense to me. Yeah. It, 
Well, that's because they didn't really have a plan. They thought, ah, gritty, dirty, underground. But okay. it doesn't look wrong. Go with gritty. it. it, it there's, there's, no- there's no dirt. There's, it's so clean. It's well lit. Uh, like the only thing dirty yeah, is, and there's just no purpose to it. It's just a thing that's there. Yeah, it's just a, it's just Shane McMahon's midlife crisis. Because like the only thing dirty there is the white substance underneath Shane's nose while he talks into a microphone. Like I'm joking there, but like you, you get what I'm saying. Like it's so glossy and nice looking. There's nothing underground about that. It looks fucking dumb. Yeah. Well, and why do they need security at the door? And then everybody in there able to kick the shit out of people. But not him. See, now, if you wanted to tell that story, that would be interesting, right? Like, you have one talent who just can't get in because that big-ass security guard just won't let him in. Let's say it's uh, Drake Maverick, right? Drake Maverick wants to fight, and he goes up to the door, and the big-ass guy is like, nah, you're not coming in, pal. And he's like, you motherfucker. You know, like I'm paraphrasing here, but like, yeah, I want in there. And then that's the, the scene for one week. And then the next week, uh, he, you can almost do like a Bobby Heenan thing where Bobby Heenan was trying to get into mm-hmm. Raw, dressing up as certain things. And then like he's trying to get in. And then the security guard's like, no. And then finally, Drake Maverick's like, I'm getting in there, even if I have to fight you. And then that's your match is like the big fucking security guard is taking off his security shirt and he's actually getting in there and he's taking on Drake fucking Maverick. Like that would be entertaining. Yeah, but that's if we were writing wrestling for wrestling fans. That's just entertaining for anything, right? Like that's a fun comedy movie. Like, God, Jesus, it's not hard. It's not hard. (laughs) Name your sex tape. Well, Um, yeah. yeah, Name your sex tape. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then Raw, I mean, nothing. I think they just kind of, like you said, we kind of hit what happened on Raw because, you know, payback is next week. Everything on a payback. Yeah. And I don't want to. Elster do- Black is out now and he's just going to wear regular clothes with an eye patch. So, yeah, because that's, that's, that's cool. That'll get you in the top 25. Keep that eye patch on, Alistair. Yeah, he's going to wear his bandana around his face. Yeah. God. But I think my favorite thing of the week is the uh, realization that, uh, uh, Damien Priest is Slash's son. <laughs> yeah. It is. He is. Oh, and Retribution didn't show up at SummerSlam, but then they're just back at Raw. Well, because they didn't know how to get to SummerSlam. Uh, right? Like, that's right. Yeah, they didn't know where the Thunderdome was. It took them a while. No, they knew from SmackDown, right? Like, right, but they didn't know where SummerSlam was. It's like in the same place, right? But it's like it's like in the NBA bubble. There's a road team and there's a home team, so it's important to get the road victories uh, because you know you're the road team, and just yeah. like the Thunderdome, oh, it's SummerSlam. When we saw the debut of Keith Lee's new gimmick, a female tennis star, yeah, Venus Williams, obese older sister. I like it, <laughs> looking cool with crappy music. Uh, that <sighs> happened, um, and. Was his promo weird, or am I just now hearing it the way he's always said it? Like that was—that's the way he's always said it. I yeah, did he, not like he that. He talks like this because he is the greatest. It was yeah. weird. I must have. Yeah, it, maybe it was just because I was kind of like, "This might be cool." Randy Orton and Keith Lee. And then it kind of fell flat. I do like that he is put in the main event picture, right? Randy Orton punts uh, Drew McIntyre's head three times. So then his friend, three times, his yeah. friend, you know, Keith Lee fights on his behalf. Cause we did see 
NXT porn, Drew McIntyre picked Keith Lee to beat Karrion Cross. So we laid some foundation there, but yeah. Keith so Lee's- how devastating would it be if Randy Orton were to deliver to someone a Kansas City cunt punt? I'd love it. Yeah, go do it in the Raw Underground. That might kill a human. See, there's there's what you could do with the Raw Underground that I think would be cool to like still add it as a feature. Let's say Keith Lee gets the victory over Randy Orton, and then Monday, like Randy Orton is so fucking pissed, he doesn't go to the Thunderdome. He goes to Raw Underground because he wants to beat up every single person because these thoughts in his head are consuming him and violence is the only thing that will like suppress those voices like that would be cool raw underground shouldn't have been introduced the way it is it should have been we saw shane he goes up to somebody like 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 bobby lashley's mad because you know like like this just happened right the 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 arm wrestling match and he's like man he's like bobby you want to take your frustrations out? He's like, yeah, you can give me a match with, with you know what I mean? Apollo Crews, like, yeah. Nah, nah. He goes, I don't do that anymore. I don't work for them. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm out. They, you know what I mean? They shuck me. That's what my family does once in a while, right? Like just, and then be like, but I know where you can fight. You know what I mean? Like, and just kind of start slowly alluding to something, right? Like, what is Shane got going on, right? And then like, he's drawing folks away over to there. And then Trips comes around. He's like, hey, hey, Shane the fuck are you doing right like what, what do you got going on back there and he's like no what are you talking about i'm just talking to these guys right like yeah because he got fired right like just hiding it right it's underground well and because shane got fired right he he lost his loser leaves right. town match against uh kevin owens on the debut on fox on or smackdown on fox so yeah i would love that but that's where triple h would come to shane mcmahon and be like hey what the fuck are you doing because now this week bobby lashley can't compete because he has three broke ribs how do you get three broke ribs right. Yeah, what are you guys doing in there? And he's like, nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like, Bobby just came in. We just caught up. Yeah. You know? Like, just like old friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we get to see, like, you know, a security camera style footage of Raw Underground where we shouldn't be seeing this, but we see this. You know, like, that mm-hmm. is how it should be presented, not uh, midlife crisis. Hey, these guys jump and dance for me. Look at them jump and dance for me. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Overall, decent week of wrestling. I thought we got all those big events. You know, there's some good nuggets in there, but yeah, we keep moving on. Yeah, this week I think was highlighted by Pat McAfee, Brody Lee's match with Cody, um, and then uh, and then um, what was I going to say? Uh, the uh, uh, Slash's son, Damian Priest, mm-hmm. partying in a hot tub, a random hot tub we've never seen. Uh, in NXT. Love it. He just got in in his leather pants. <laughs> well, you know, Chris Jericho did it, so if Chris Jericho's going to do it, might as well Damian Priest. Yeah, the demo god can do it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he's the demo god. You want a, you want an audience, you get into a hot tub with your leather pants on. I mean, don't I always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah, so another weird week uh, upcoming. We've got Super Tuesday NXT, I believe... Uh, AW will be on Wednesday night. Obviously, we still got the temp. NXT Super Tuesday. That's on Tuesday night, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah, NXT Super Tuesday. I think that is Tuesday night. Okay. All right. Actually, I'll hey, be sure I've, to watch for that. Yeah, I've got a song stuck in my head. Uh, who sings that song? My name is Kid <laughs> Rock. Is that who's that? 
Yeah, I think we've covered this before. I think it's Sting. Ah, Sting. Gotcha. The Police. I always thought it was a police yeah. song. Post-Police. I think it was Sting. Post-police. Ah, gotcha. Cool. Stinger Splash. All right, man. Hey, let's get out of here. Uh, we'll catch up on AEW and talk about it next week. Um, but for now, bye-bye. The Spanish Announce Table. Bye-bye.